Hello. This is yes. Ah, ha 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 ha. All right. Hello. Welcome to Fringe FM. I am Paul Wildey. Today I am in the studio with Charlie JJ Kruger of the Nameless Wretch, um, which is his sort of solo noise shoegaze black metal ambient weird artsy screaming over awesome thing um that i think you guys will be really excited about how are you doing today charlie i'm i'm wonderful i think that was the exact review that was on amazon so i think that's that's pretty much right <laughs> sweet all right so uh all the critics are in agreement. this is actually what you're going to be hearing tonight um so, Charlie, for those people who haven't heard the Nameless Wretch, um, what can you tell us about that project? Like, what are your, you know, where were you coming from when you started this? Well, I um, I've been playing in bands since I was eleven. You know, playing shows all over the place, and so I uh, and I've always been recording music on my own. But a lot of times, the music I record on my own ends up being super. Uh, artsy arrogant like noise loops and such and so i figured it was time for me to at least pretend i could grow up and write music with guitars and such on my own uh so i i first set out to write a pop punk album uh and i dropped the ball pretty hard (laughs) the first song i wrote uh, for the project was you'll run which is on our first uh, our my first album uh under this name and that's decidedly not pop punk. And so from that point on, that dream was over. And I kind of pursued this sort of, uh, like, killing joke, um, but killing joke on downers kind of vibe. And it's, yeah, super shoegazy, super noisy, and um, self-loathing. <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, it, it definitely seems dark. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to get really familiar with your lyrical content, um, but there are some uh, titles I noticed, um, you know, like Those Who Have Left Us Behind, <laughs> and uh, When Everything Gets Heavy, Not Quite a Man, I mean, you know, so I can see where your self-loathing might come in here. It's, it's not tap dancing. It's, yeah, it's not, not tap dancing music there. <laughs> Um, so, and, uh, this is the, those song titles are off of your most recent, uh, release, What Are Heroes, but you were telling me you're working on a, on a new album? Yeah, yeah, um, the third album is, I have almost all the demos done. I like to record, um, for these albums, I've recorded around 21 to 25 songs, and then I do all the vocals on them, and then I kind of whittle it down to about 13 or 14 that I feel together are cohesive. Um, so for this album, I'm almost done with the, the musical stage. Uh, so that should take me however long with the rest of the, you know, stuff I pretend I do. I'll find time. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm almost done with this one. And I imagine maybe two, three more months before this one is, is ready to go off to the label and get pressed. Sweet. So, uh, and what is the name of the label you're signed to? This, uh, I am signed uh, jointly, which is awesome. It makes me feel so much more official. Um, I'm on uh, Rusty Hacksaw Records, which is one that I've kind of pimped myself on for a long time, and Devil's Music, which is based out of um, was it Minneapolis, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and uh, where's Hacksaw from? Uh, Olympia. It's, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, are there... Um, any other cool Olympia bands on that label that you're uh, excited to share a label with? Yeah, um, well, they're all they all have me in them, uh, which is um, you know again arrogant. But uh, uh, yeah, it was I put it together just to kind of release music I was working on, and uh, my old band that I uh, I still miss, uh, Unwilling Participant, uh, is uh, we got our albums on there, so you can still pick them up because uh, they're free because it's on Bandcamp. <laughs> so. So uh, you're going to want to come to the Rusty Hacksaw Bandcamp for sure, uh, which is uh, rustyhack-sawrecords.bandcamp.com, and there's uh, everybody's whole discography, it looks like. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so that's cool. So when did you get this label going? Uh, 2000. 12, 2010, a while ago. Um, I was writing a lot of like noise loop and kind of dissonant albums, and I wanted a place to just drop them. And I found out about Bandcamp, so I jumped on that. And then, yeah, 
crossover thrash band I was playing with, and um, super you know, the other kind of yeah, lots of lots of me crap. But um, but yeah, found out about Bandcamp, and I was like, oh, I'll make a quote unquote label. Right. Uh, so I did. Um, it, it's that's it's not a real record label. It's cheating. But um, well, um, I think that's the way a lot of people lately have been doing DIY labels. I mean, you know, uh, there's a big push. Uh, in the late 70s and early 80s towards uh, do-it-yourself labels and distribution. But now that you have things like Bandcamp to help with distribution, a lot of people can just uh, start a label by just giving a name to something. And it just kind of provides people with a sense of unity. I think that's really cool um, how if you're putting out your own records independently, you can you can get a bunch of your friends together who also have records and just put one of them in charge of coming up with a name and running a band camp and call yourself a label. Um, I really like that. And I, I, so I think it's cool that you uh, just went ahead and took that on. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been signed to like more real labels throughout my, my musical career and stuff. And I've put out albums and, and all that such. And that's, you know, it's fun because you have this level of, you know, look at me, dad, I have a record contract, you know, uh, but, but I, you know, being able to release things myself and then giving it like a record label name for, for Rusty Hacksaw Records was really refreshing because like I had no one to answer to. So I could just do what I wanted, which for like noise loop albums and, you know, dissonant uh, whatever you want to call it stuff was great. Also probably dangerous. You know, there's there's probably a couple songs on a lot of the albums that maybe go on for about 15 minutes too long because no one told me cut that out. Um, but I'm happy with them, so that's really all that, that matters, I guess. Well, I, yeah, I mean, definitely guaranteed artistic integrity, at least, if nothing else. Um, so that's really cool. Um, I saw uh, that you wrote a book. Yes, yeah, I, that's, <laughs> I, I, I aim to make sure that I do nothing but create art all day, uh, which is pretty fun. But yeah, I'm, uh, I guess at this point in my life, I, I am an author more than anything else, which is really fun. But yeah, my new, my new novel, In Stark Weather, uh, came out a couple months ago, and I've done appearances on both coasts and all around uh, signing books and such, and so it's been really fun that I'm like, actually making a level of money off of a book I wrote. <laughs> Sweet. So uh, it's a novel. Uh, so fiction. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but like all like all good novels, uh, it's <laughs> it, it's based in a lot of reality. No, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's fiction. It's a tri narrative about three different uh, people. There's a an author who's afraid he'll never match the level of success he's already reached, uh, and a musician who's living with his parents who feels that this is his last chance to ever make a mark. And this terminal abuse victim who is cutting a swath of destruction uh, across uh, the country, uh, trying to process and deal with the trauma he's suffered. And they all go on road trips at the same time, starting from different places, and as they move through the country, they kind of affect each other. Yeah, it's been, um, I got, it got, uh, the writing style has been compared to Thomas Harris, who did Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs, which was a huge compliment, and, uh, Chuck Palahniak, or Palahniak, or, I can't say his name, but Fight Club Chuck, uh, it's been compared to him, and I, I think that's because I'm an, I'm an angry young man, so I think that's... <laughs> well, that's, that's really good to hear, man, uh, that's exciting, so you're writing novels you're creating noise loops you're putting things out on your own independent label as well as other cool labels um i i'm excited to hear some stuff so why don't we go ahead and play one of your actually finished songs is there something off of what our heroes you'd like to play yeah let's do uh, when everything gets heavy i like that all right so we're gonna do when everything gets heavy right now
we're back. So uh, that track was off of What Are Heroes by the Nameless Wretch, a um, song called When Everything Gets Heavy. And uh, the track was uh, pretty heavy, but maybe not in the way one would expect when you hear the word heavy. Um, I really... Uh, we were actually talking about this while the song was playing and you couldn't hear us. Uh, I really like how this embodies, uh, I, I, I can see some things from like some, uh, heavy down tempo hardcore, um, that I've been into in the past, like, uh, Defeater and Touche Amore, where I can also hear, um, some like post-punk goth kind of stuff. Um, like, uh, Bauhaus and Joy Division. And then, um, some like black metal stuff, um, some Burzum influence in there. And then there's all this like watery, shoegazy, like this whole album actually, listening to this, it feels wet um, to me. Like I feel wet when I listen to it. Um, I feel like, and maybe not that it's raining, maybe that I'm like in a stagnant basement of wetness. Um, but I, I, I feel damp. Um, uh, can you speak to any of that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, it's, it's, it's funny that you say, you know, like defeater and such. This was, um, like, yeah, initially the goal was this kind of pop punk, like post emo thing I wanted to do. Cause I've always been a huge Texas is the reason fan. And I was like, oh, I could, you know, but I can't sing, um, and I can't really play guitar, um, and I can't really do anything, so it, it became very hard to, like, then do something. So, it, yeah, it ended up all of a sudden becoming sort of Rollins Band-esque, but, like, less jazzy. And, and, and yeah, no, wet is a good sound, I guess, descriptor for it. I, I like, um, I, I like morose. <laughs> the music just ends up having this kind of, like, Charlie Brown can't kick the uh, football vibe. (laughs) And I I see that too. Um, But like, it it doesn't ever, um, in my opinion, doesn't ever really come off as a cartoonish or, or whiny, um, like some bands might. (laughs) That's, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yes. To never, never, you know, cross the line into like my chemical romance territory. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Oh man. So, um, yeah, I I really dig this. Do you, um, what are what are some of your favorite bands? I mean, you just said you're a huge Texas is the Reason fan. Any other like it, you know, from all over the place or like Yeah, I mean, David Bowie might be like the all-time musical icon for me. I just David Bowie is the coolest, you know, but so I mean, as far as musicians that have influenced my playing and such, like I uh, like Tommy Victor from Prong is one of my all-time favorite guitarists, uh, but only in Prong. Uh, I, he really sucks in Danzig, and I, and I don't know what happened, like like what what the transition was. But I love Prong, and his stuff with Danzig is just he's just not good um, <laughs> in it. So uh, if if Tommy Victor is listening to this, I I apologize. I literally own every Prong album, so you can't hate me that much. But um, but yeah, him. Uh, I've always been uh, really into uh, Celtic Frost. And like everything that Tom Warrior does, you know, I even own the Apollyon Sun albums, uh, the album and the EP, which are not g- great, um, but I've got them, <laughs> and a copy of Cold Lake because when you're a fan, you deal with it. But um, but yeah, no, like Triptychon is new project. I am just super in love with. It's got this this crushing kind of bone eating sound to it that I really like to. I I'm not going to say that I'm aping it. Um, because he's better at it than I am, but I definitely am pretending I can I can ape it. <laughs> you know? And I, he's got he, everything in that that band is just very thick and and yeah, wet, and, but like just monolithic, yeah. you know. And so I really like that in in my music. I love Crowbar the band. You know, I've always loved that kind of like Nola vibe that they've got. This just you know sort of you know like I hate God and. Um, you know, goat whore and stuff. These, these these sounds that are just so fat. Like I like I like music to sound thick and fat. And like like I, I grew up in in New Jersey, and um, I love New York hardcore. Like I grew up, you know, with that whole summer of '95 explosion. You know, so like H two O all the way to Madball and Sub Zero and all these other bands. And and like I love them, but so much of the of the stuff that came out like either before I was born or you know, while I was growing up, it just sounds so tinny and thin now because of you know production yeah. quality and such. Yeah, but oh my god, yeah, yeah. like I fucking love the Chromags, you know. Yeah, production value does not stand up. Oh no, no, John John Joseph is like one of my all time favorites. But when you listen to like Seekers of Truth, 
it, it sounds like it was recorded like a state away you know <laughs> and then like you listen to like all their comeback albums you know and so i guess you can thank Hatebreed for giving everybody a chance to have a comeback album so that's that's jamie Josta's greatest moment is making sure that sub-zero could come back so <laughs> so for that alone i will deal with all 48 like Hatebreed albums you know because i love sub-zero but but you know you listen to like the the comeback albums that sub-zero or, or agnostic front and even Madball because they kind of went away you know and they just sound so much fatter and thicker and fuller and I just I love that I love music that assaults you in every capacity and so with with the nameless wretch you know I I record and mix these myself which uh is is kind of a fun trick for me because I'm used to mixing or or, you know recording like noise music where there's nothing you can do wrong you know you can't screw up recording a noise loop because just, it just gets better, like the worse you do it, you know. So it's it, it, that's kind of that's officially cheating, you know. It's just like oh, I can just hit record on grounded wires. Who cares, you know? And all the little bzz, bzz just helps, you know. But so with this, you know, that, that was this, this was kind of a trial by fire. Like, no, it's time to grow up and like figure out how to record things without that buzzing in the corner, you know. And so that's been fun, and I've definitely I definitely feel like the second album has a better. Um, technical sound than the first the, the first album does come off a little more diy you do have a little more of that uh sort of i recorded this in my bedroom sound um but that being said for the diy i recorded this in my bedroom sound it still is really fucking full um and uh really well mixed um which is one thing i was going to say about this i was actually going to ask you you already answered this question do you uh mix and record these yourself i figured you did um but it's it's impressive because I I've seen people who run sort of shit studios for their punk rock friends and they don't achieve this level of uh, mixing capability. So I mean that shows at least commitment uh, to your craft and at least you know like the knowledge. I mean at least you you've you've, you've fucked around with other people's music before uh you know you and you you know what does and does not sound good what does and doesn't work um so i really i really like that about it um i've been been lucky to record with some really awesome producers uh throughout my i'm gonna call it a career because i'm getting interviewed so it sounds more official but like throughout my career i've been i've gotten to work you know uh, joey z from life of agony the guitarist from from life of agony i got to record in his studio you know with him behind the board uh when i was younger and that was amazing not only because i have the biggest just crush on that band you know life of agony is so damn good even their crappy album is really good you know <laughs> like not crappy but even like their the, the least of the four is still a really solid album um so i got to work with him and josh landry um f- uh, he did the final um unwilling participant album and he did a killer job making us sound like a like a real band <laughs> and so I, I loved working with him and i've worked with doug schwanker back in new jersey and uh johnny and and such and so i've been really lucky to work with some good producers and that i i I hope has rubbed off a little bit (laughs) well it seems to be working out well um uh i noticed uh on you you sent me a demo that nobody else has heard yet i guess um and that got to grace my ears um uh, it was just i think just guitars and drum track and a bass bass. yeah there was there was a bass in the back there um that's right I do remember that. Um, that still sounded really full. It seems like you might need to, you know, like like compared to the other stuff you've done, you you might still be gonna put some effects on it and maybe even record some more guitar parts or something. Um, I got that impression, and the lyrics definitely weren't there, um, but it, it still sounded really full, and that's that's something else that I think uh, kind of impressed me, and I, why I wanted to ask if you did this all yourself, is because you managed to create such a full sound before you even have all these layers on there and when you get the layers on there, it doesn't sound busy. It doesn't assault you. You know, it's not, it, nothing gets buried. Um, it actually all marries well, which is a skill that lots of people try to fake and nobody ever gets right. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, I, I sit around and I listen to you know albums like this all day long um and i'm impressed um that you do all of this yourself uh so you keep talking about this unwilling participant um are they also on your they're 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 on here indeed uh 
yeah, the album uh, Our Bodies Will Burn Like Sage is a is a pretty solid album. That was our third. That was our final. And of course, uh, like all good like crossover thrash or hardcore bands, you know, that was the album we wrote. And we're like, oh, we're gonna make it, and then like a week later, you know, everything yeah. fell apart. So, <laughs> so yeah, right, right there. Down one and there over. There, there. Oh, over one. There. there. No, over one more. In the middle. There we go. We can cut this. All right. So we found it. Um, and yeah, every time we say we can cut this, it ends up in the podcast because my editor thinks that's hilarious. He loves me. <laughs> he loves it when I'm like, we're going to cut that out. And he's like, no, we're not. <laughs> you jackass. Um, You know what? Yeah, let's let's play a couple. They both are pretty short. So we're going to play you guys CPS uh, and Sage in that order from Unwilling Participant. Yes! <laughs> 
and holy shit, those were intense. Um, uh, definitely a, a mood shift from um, the nameless wretch, uh, but unwilling participant. Uh, the sound is great. Uh, the musicianship is great. Those the vocals are impressive. Um, I, I said while while we were playing those, I'm going to download all of these albums when you leave. Um, uh, the entire Rusty Hacksaw collection will be mine. I will have it all, all, all of it. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, d- d- during those songs, you and I were conversing, and these lovely folks didn't get to hear it. Um, so you said that you are a uh, trauma um, counselor for your actual day job? Yeah. Uh, right now I'm only working part-time, uh, but I'm lucky to have a job, so I shouldn't complain. But, um, yeah, I, I uh, got my degree um, and everything in, in trauma and abuse counseling. And so that's something I've been doing for, I guess, like five years now. And that's, you know, it's it's heavy, but it's important. So. <laughs> no, that, and that's that's great, and um, I think it's cool that you're giving back to the community in such a direct way. I know um, personally, I feel like music saves lives, and um, that you know you can say something to somebody in a song that will affect them a lot differently than if you just said it to them. But um, I think I think there are a lot of people who are uh, sort of delusional about how much their music is affecting the rest of the world. Um, and so like while you are making music that does change the world um, just by being music you're also out there doing real stuff with real people and I find that really admirable so you're you're a, a rather prolific obviously uh, a musician and um, a novelist and a fucking abuse and trauma counselor is there anything awesome that you don't do <laughs> I, I can't dance um, I'm not a very good juggler I am not a good MC. I can't rap to save my very white ass. And um, no, I, I, I mean, there's, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm great at anything I do, but I, I definitely enjoy doing the things I do. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I, I work part time doing the the counseling, and then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon down at uh, the well in downtown Olympia. I, um, me and a couple other friends, we run a uh, sandwich program that hands out peanut butter and jelly uh, sandwiches that are organic and natural and full of good uh, to people who need a sandwich. And so, like, doing that and the counseling, I feel, uh, is is something that makes me feel better about being as selfish as I am as as an artist, you know? Like, there's nothing more selfish than being a musician or or an author. Um, And, of course, I had to pick, you know, both. But, like, (laughs) there's just nothing more selfish than, like, these are my ideas or this is how I feel. You should pay me to, like, listen or read how, like, my emotions are, you know? And that's just just a really selfish thing. Um, But at the same time, yeah, I mean, there are bands that saved my life in a myriad of ways. And there are books I've read that have you know, changed or saved my life also in a, in a myriad of, of ways. Um, and so while I, I kind of hope that nothing I create has that effect on people because that's a really scary, um, yeah, that's like a weird responsibility to have. Like, you know, like this book changed my life. Like, well, fuck, how bad was your life before? That something I did could change, you know, but you know, it's, it, you know, like it's, it's that old joke, you know, I lost weight eating at Subway. Like, what the fuck were you eating before? You know, like, like, oh my God, you know? And, and so it's, you know, it's a scary combination of things, but I'm glad to be able to do the things I do. Well, uh, I honestly, it seems like a very fulfilling life. Um, and, uh, a very full life, uh, too. I mean, lots of good stories. So, uh, one of those tracks we played, um, was called CPS. That was the first one we played. Um, uh, what, what was the, the, the pitiful swine line? What was the cold pitiful swine? Um, uh, that's about, uh, we here in Washington state are, um, sort of, we, we've got CPS and I don't know if they call it that everywhere, but it's child protective services and it's sort of the yahoos who pretend like they care about kids and show up and sometimes do stuff and sometimes don't. And when they do do stuff, it just creates more terribleness. Um, like, uh, can you tell the people like you probably know more than I do and obviously you wrote a song, so you have some opinions. Um, anything you want to say about CPS? Yeah, I don't. I, I, okay. So 
obviously a program like CPS is important because like you know clearly there are there are children um, and not even children there are just people who are in incredibly shitty situations yeah I, I, I think a an organization to support and protect these people is definitely a thing we need I'm not trying to say that at <laughs> all I, I yes save the children uh, we do need a government agency to step in from time to time because parents are fucking nuts all right c- continue but yeah but i mean but all that said you know cps as an organization is just horrific you know they lose children all the time but more importantly uh it, it has come in in my life you know in the life of people i've known and it represents a lot of what's wrong with social work and social services and it, it, it's more you know you get these caseworkers that are like, I have 800 cases that I, I need to look at every month. So they don't really care about everyone. You know, A, because they can't because there's so many. And B, because it, it burns people out because a lot of people who end up becoming social workers, and this is a gross generalization as someone who's a vague social worker. So just, you know, I'm protecting my ass here. But like, you know, a lot of people who become social workers do so for themselves, not for the people they're helping. Uh, and so it becomes this very self-aggrandizing thing. And so CPS... I have seen them hurt far more than they've helped, you know, and I have seen the, you know, and, and of course there's also like, you know, when you call CPS or when someone calls CPS, they have a chunk of time before they get there. And, uh, there was a girl I dated for a long time that, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, she, uh, used to say that her mom would tell her, you know, I know that if you're going to call DIFUS, which is New Jersey, DIFUS, but here CPS or wherever, you know, I know that if you call DIFUS, I've got 30 minutes before they get here. And, like, that level of terror that that can instill, like, you know, there's no organization that can eclipse that 30-minute wait time while the car is driving from the police station to the house, but, like, I don't know. CPS has just never been able to live up to what I want it to. Um, and I work with them occasionally, you know, representatives occasionally through the counseling I do and stuff. And it just, they, I don't know, they seem inhuman sometimes. And that's really terrifying to me because, uh, like the song, the lyrics in the song, you know, you should be knights in shining armor. Instead, you're all fucking monsters <laughs> is really uh, true in a lot of experiences I've had working with Child Protective Services. Uh, well, and I, it, you know, it, it seems to be, I mean, it's it's probably like a bigger thing in social work, uh, especially when dealing with children, you notice it more. Um, but I, I feel like across the board, um, it's sort of a plague of government bureaucracy is that these people um, are overworked and typically they get these jobs because notoriously you get a job in state government, you get to keep it forever, and you get all these benefits, and it's it's a, quote, easy job, you know, and it's something that, like, anybody can do, um, whereas it's not, really, and it takes a lot of fucking intelligence and emotional investment and, like, strength, and, you know, uh, like, you, you really have to, to work at being able to deal with these kind of heavy, heavy issues on a day-to-day basis. And, I mean, um, you you can see that sort of degradation in the system, like, on all levels. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had to get food stamps before, but trying trying to show up and, like... You know, these people, they just yell at you and they just assume that you're some fucking crackhead who wants, I mean, especially looking like me. I mean, I'm a skinny guy with a bunch of tattoos and piercings and... You know, I show up in a, like a ratty Dad Kennedy shirt to ask for, you know, you know, even just like 50 bucks a month to help, you know, so I can keep my heat on in the winter or whatever, because I'm in between work. Any goddamn reason why this needs to happen. Um, for a while, I didn't even have a car or any other bills to pay. And it was just like, I just don't have a job right now. And I'm trying really hard to find one. Can I just like eat, please? Um, and you know, no, it was like, you are just an asshole. You were just a suck on their time. And I could very easily see that even translating over to kids, you know, not, not necessarily because people are cold, heartless bastards, but just because they have to deal with like 800 of these things a day. And it's just like, at some point you're just like, all right, dude, the world's fucked. Okay. Everybody fucking hates their kids. And like, I can't do anything like what? They're all just going to die. I mean, what do you want me to do? Um, so, I mean, I, I, it's like, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, it's like, dude, really think about the career path you chose there are so many people out there with like the strength of will to do that and like the the large heart to do it um 
that can't get those jobs because these other people had the I know who you know kind of thing going on and now have these jobs that they can't do because they just don't have what it takes. It's it's that it's it's I've always said anybody who wants to be a cop shouldn't be allowed to be. You know, and it, it, it's very similar. You know, if you want to be president, you're not the right person to be president. Like, if you want to be a social worker, you probably shouldn't be a social worker. It, it, you're probably not going into it for the right reason. You know, you, you should have to get drafted for, for a lot of these things. And, like, I, that's one of the reasons I haven't become a social worker is that that's I, – I, I know that I want to. And I'm afraid that if I do that, it will burn me out. You know, so working as a counselor is very different. Working, you know, food, you know, handout and such is very different from, like, being an actual on-case counselor. Um, but it, it, I don't know. Yeah, and it's very dehumanizing the way it, it, the way it's, it's set up. And it's, it's baffling that it can be that dehumanizing. And it, it, it kind of all comes back to this general devaluing of, of humanity and of art. And of expression and of uh, personality and yeah no I, I you know again working as a counselor and then working with a lot of homeless outreach groups uh, I'm always helping people you know fill out paperwork for disability or for SSI or for you know food stamps or for you know housing assistance and such and yet yeah, the system is set to think you're a scam artist and the I don't know I guess I'm so fucking liberal that like my, my view on it is just like well okay whatever like oh is someone going to steal the $120 a month to buy food like oh fuck them right like well who cares you know like there are so many other things that if we're worried about government overspending that we can cut that like you know if someone is going through all the work and doing all the the effort they need to go through to steal that $120 for food stamps every month let them like if that's the biggest victory they have, then their life sucks. Let them have the hundred and twenty dollars. Because it's not like you can even use that hundred and twenty dollars of food stamps to go buy meth. Like it's on a card for food. Right. Like you can't even buy pizza with it. You know. So it's like, well, fuck it. Let them have apples. Like who, who really cares? You know, if someone's going to put through all this work to cheat the system, quote unquote then they're working harder than you are. Let them have it. You know, like, I, I don't really understand why, you know, the grossly small percentage of, like, welfare fraud that exists is what has been used to vilify everybody on assistance. Right. And, uh, you know, this kind of comes back to... So, I've been having this conversation all week because uh, we live in Olympia and uh, Lake Fair just happened, which is a thing that... Um, maybe a lot of people listening to this don't know about because it's not that popular once you get about 30 miles away from Olympia. Nobody fucking knows what we're talking about. But um, so there's a lake downtown that is sort of an atrocity because it's a man-made lake. They took an estuary, which is a very important thing for ecosystems and life, and they destroyed it. They paved it and they turned it into a giant swimming pool that then got infested with E. coli and then uh, some weird, f- some weird flesh-eating slugs, and then uh, orange algae. There's been like three or four different fucking outbreaks uh, in this lake that was made by people um, that has no inlet really or outlet. It's just a lake, and uh, the full of ocean water like that should have been an estuary. Anyway, so it's already a fucking disaster. Then they built this real pretty park around it, and then they throw a fucking fair there once a year. And what what I mean by that is they bring in. You know, a bunch of people from, like, fantastic traveling shows, definitely not based in Washington, to set up a bunch of fucking games and rides that they're going to make a crap load of money off of that the city's not going to see just so they can destroy the grass in our park so that then we can spend thousands and thousands of dollars for the next six months trying to get that grass to go green again so that next year we can fucking rape it again. All right? And, like, that money right there that our fucking tax money goes to to make this grass green could go to feeding these people and then we could stop crying about it. Or, you know, we could get some, like, universal health care or some shit. Something could happen. Um, for, for Maybe for, like, five people, but still, I mean, like, you know. Well, yeah, and, and the grass... This was when when uh, when the Occupy movement was in full swing. Uh, Occupy Olympia was based out of that park. You know, they set up all their tents and everything in that park. That. Yeah, and the the reason that the city had to make everybody move. You know, the city said, "No, we can't have you here," and everyone said, "Why?" And the city said, "Well, we can't tell you really why because that makes us look like fascists." So what we're going to say is, 
you're going to be bad for the grass. And that was the excuse for why Occupy had to shut down and move, was that it was bad for the grass to be in the park. So, fine. If that's the standard that we've set, a Ferris wheel is way worse than a tent. Like, I, I don't understand how that even has to be debated, but, like, it's a Ferris wheel and an 18-wheeler. This is worse for grass than a tent full of vegans. Like, I don't I don't really get the issue, but, you know, and this is why I don't run for, uh, for city council. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's why a lot of people get burnt out when they're trying to run for city council. Because <laughs> uh, I've known people who have tried. Um... Yeah, and, you know, the Olympia has done some other weird backwards things like that. I mean, for a town that gets this reputation for being, like, such a liberal utopia, um, there there are a lot of back-assward things. I mean, there's, like, the sidewalk ordinance, oh, which, yeah. um, you know, is, 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 is honestly never enforced unless they want somebody gone. Um, and, you know, so it's, it, what the sidewalk ordinance is is you cannot... You cannot reside at the same place on a sidewalk for more than half an hour, and you cannot be sitting for more than 10 minutes. So you can stand in one spot on the sidewalk for half an hour, or you can sit for 10, but no longer. And if you are there for longer, you will get a ticket for loitering. Um, and it's a huge ticket. And um, that's so cool, because all of our bars totally have smoking sections. They don't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I whatever okay that's beside the point then there's like the the downtown noise ordinance which uh which is effective at 10 o'clock on the weekday except they don't ever enforce that unless your band is spewing political rhetoric they don't like then they'll come down and they'll fucking shut you down um and it's you know they have these things in place that they only use if it benefits them and that's sort of their thing is they're like oh we never actually really enforce that it's not a big deal it's just there just in case but what what they care about when it's a problem is when people are trying to demonstrate or when people are trying to spout views that are different than theirs and yeah sure we've got tons of lgbt rights stuff going on around here that's awesome um we've got stuff like the free school going on around here um also awesome we got things like eggy hop going around and giving people clothing and food that are uh, out on the street um we we've had 10 cities in and out and i think there still is one right now um going on so i mean we've got all this really cool shit in this town for sure but um they really like to keep it under wraps and keep it out of people's purview which i mean it doesn't make sense these huge issues that we're tackling in you know the political hub of our state um and our state that is currently number one for human rights in the country but is still like so far behind some you know some european countries it's just like what are what do you I, I don't know uh, anyway i'm getting off on this huge tangent we're here to mostly talk about music i think <laughs> i thought that was why we were here and then i baited you into this fucking political discussion <laughs> and here we go um this is called fuck the flag and fuck you no it's not no it's not <laughs> um okay so uh m- moving forward um Let's play some of your weird noise shit, huh? Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Go back to the, the main oh, yeah. Okay, let's do that. More releases. I like, uh, I really am, am happy with the dedication and conviction. The blue album cover, One Below You. Okay, right here? Yeah. This guy, I, I did this album. I, I, I put this album together, and uh, for a long time it was, I had hard copies and did, like, you know, special digital download uh, purchase and everything where all the money went towards uh, a prison program I was working with. Uh, working, I was working uh, with a program called Gateways up at uh, Evergreen State College uh, that works uh, in, like, a mentoring and co-teaching uh, atmosphere at Green Hill and Maple Lane. Well, not no longer Maple Lane, but at Green Hill, uh, which is the maximum security juvenile prison in Washington. And then while doing that, I was also working uh, as a private contractor to be a, a counselor and group leader uh, for like study groups and such. And so I used the money from uh, the the albums that I sold here as a big fundraiser to buy everybody in the class I was in uh, working with a copy of John Joseph's autobiography. 
uh, the evolution of a Cro-Magnon. So John Joseph, the singer of the Cro-Mags, wrote this autobiography that was a huge deal for me to read. And so I used that money to buy everybody a copy of that and then other books that I felt people should read, like The Great Gatsby, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and so on and so forth. I know Dorian Gray so... But, but yeah, so all these books, and then we kind of just study-grouped them together. And when everyone left, they got a copy of um, The Evolution of a Cro-Magnon. And that was a really fun thing to do. So yeah, so it's no longer... I mean, you know, it's been years, I guess. So... Now it's just up for free download, but but here it is. Okay, cool. So this is a dedication and conviction, uh, Rusty Hacksaw project. Um, what any track in particular you'd like to throw up here? I don't think we have time for this whole album. Oh, heavens no! Um, I don't know. Razorblade Goddess is good. Well, let's play this thirty-six minute one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's noisy. Um, yeah, it's it's a noisy album. No, uh, Razorblade Goddess and uh, Stop the Car are two that I've always really okay well since you said razorblade goddess first we'll uh take a swing at that one and i hope you folks enjoy this
She's gallows. She is beauty as she dances over the top of my grave. She is classy entertainment as I puke naked on the floor. Prison cancer cell. Love made murder through narcotic sex. Jack Hammer tongue ignites my eyelids. Your body melts in my bent spoon. 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 Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. Your altar is a shotgun in my mouth. Your body melts in my bent spoon. <laughs> Fucking intense. Alright, so, uh... I I mean I I really hope you guys smoked a lot of pot before you listen to this. Like I really hope you did because you will be enjoying all of these things as much as I did. Um, uh, or you know if you don't smoke pot, I hope you like meditated and got yourself into some like real groovy headspace. I hope you did something to prepare mentally for this <laughs> podcast. Um, okay, so uh, I I think you already explained what this came from before we played it um yeah cool so uh you were just telling me about uh how all of your noise stuff you've done varies in uh your words the kind of cruelty that it features um uh yeah and uh so what was the name of that album no the other one that what you were telling me about the really long one that's like two 45 minute tracks Deaf and Blind to the Coming Storm um, You can also find on this uh, RustyHacksawRecords.BandCamp.com With a dash in between the hacksaw Don't forget about that um, But yeah um, And there will be a link in the description So uh, you know That's a place you guys can find that If you have trouble spelling um, Anyway So yeah he was just telling me about Deaf and Blind to the Coming Storm uh, Being a rainstorm that he recorded With um, lots of noises and music in yeah, I, and out i used a couple like archive uh, like free audio websites to to grab other uh rain sounds and lay in so it's it's in part something i did in part uh other like free um royalty like rain and storm samples and such and then all whipped together and changed up and such so it's pretty fun nice i i like that a lot so um like lots of varied styles and uh lots of cool stuff coming out here so um charlie jj kruger is that like actually your name uh yeah I, yes yes it is. yeah my name is charlie uh jack 
Krueger is what's on my um, my birth certificate. But yeah, I uh, Charlie J.J. Krueger, or, or as an author, I use the full name of Jack Joseph in the middle there, just because authors should have more letters in their name. It just, it's it, yeah, it's 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 a fancy thing, um, but. But yeah, my publisher is not as much of a fan of that. Uh, the publisher I have right now is like, you should probably not have such a long, you know, fucking name. <laughs> and, and so, but it's too late. This is how I've already appeared at conventions, so I can't change it now. You know, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I just, uh, I saw on Facebook something about, uh, you know, uh, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, the Nameless Wretch's own monster. And then I was like, oh, Kruger. <laughs> yeah, monster. Got it. Uh <laughs> I wonder if that's clever or if that's like real, um, and very much so the name. Yeah, that 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 born, pizza men for years have found that really funny. <laughs> you know, delivery guys have always laughed at that, but that is very much so the name. Well, at least you're not Frederick, I guess. Yeah, that would have been awful. That just would have been too ironic. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> uh, well, cool, man. So, um, where can where can people find your book? So, um, Barnes and Noble carries it, which is really kind of scary cool. Um, it's on Amazon. Uh, they, lots of local stores around have carried them and do and such. And uh, but if you buy it from my website, I autograph it and mail it to you personally. Uh, which, like, I guess like, the fact that it's an autograph from me shouldn't matter too much, really. But uh, it just it just seems cooler that way. Um, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's one thing I've always noticed people, uh, I've had a couple of friends ask me to autograph CDs before, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, I don't know, it's just cool, because, like, later when your band's dead, and I'm like, hey, this is this band I used to know, it's like, ah, all the guys autographed it, it looks special. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what's your website? Uh, charliejackjosephkruger.com. charliejackjosephkruger.com. Have fun typing that out. Yeah, um, dashes, no periods, it's, it's, it's just, it's a straight, straight ahead there. Uh, I'll send you the link to put in the description. Ah, there we go. Um, okay, so uh, then uh, then we've also got uh, the Rusty Hacksaw Bandcamp that I've plugged twice here. Um, and then you can find um, the Nameless Wretch also on Facebook. Um, and I'm. it sounds like when their new album drops... Um, there's probably going to be a few different versions being made. Uh, one for Devil's Music, they're going to have a specific version, and then there's going to be a specific version available for Amazon dropping. And then it seems like we just maybe even came up with a new version to be made. So, um, hopefully we'll actually have that in the store when that comes out, um, and you guys can pick up a copy f- directly from us or from any of the other options that I just listed. Um, we're uh gonna go ahead and get out of here because i've been sucking up charlie's time for a while here um and my wife's gonna be home soon she's never happy if these things last too long <laughs> no nah, i'm just kidding she loves it um expression stick around today honestly um but yeah okay so thank you very much for coming by i'm really excited to have heard you know a cross section of um all of your projects and uh to get to talk to you about all of your work in various areas um is there any sort of parting words you want to leave the people with oh god that's so official um i don't know i guess instead of a a sign out i can say we'll we'll, we'll just play the the demo i sent you and that can say goodbye to everyone from me (laughs) right totally that was where i was just gonna go so we're gonna uh wrap things up here thank you for listening to yet another episode of our ridiculous podcast with slapdash conversations with (laughs) local musicians um i hope you enjoyed what you've heard and here's a little taste of what's coming up from the nameless wretch uh it's as of yet unmastered not even all the tracks are on it there's no vocals uh you definitely hearing it first before anybody else um like i said hope you enjoy it have a great day